House Recording Studio, Mateo on the boards. Senator Mary Washington, how are you? I'm great. This is great. It's fun to be here. Good, good. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, I know you were saying before we started recording, this is your first podcast it interview. Is. I hope yeah. it uh, leaves a good impression on you and you go on to do other ones. Yeah. And then uh, when you think back, you're like, oh, man, I did the local color one. That was that was great. And you said this is your first time interviewing a politician. It like is. An elected official. So hopefully it you'll is. find that. We are cool, interesting people <laughs> yeah. uh, who have something to say. So hopefully I won't make it bad for any of the others that follow. So we can both have a good experience and yeah. do more. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, my mentor was telling me, like, you have no reason not to be interviewing them, especially mm-hmm. in an election year. So absolutely. I wanted to start with Senator Mary Washington. Let's talk a little bit more about Mary Washington and not the senator. Where are you from? I'm from Philadelphia. I grew up in Philly. All right. And Philly's a pretty big city, right? West Philadelphia, born and bred. Oh, there you go. There you go. So (laughs) Actually, my sisters went to this and my two sisters went to the same high school Mm -hmm. uh, as our famous uh, Fresh Prince. Oh, what was that experience like for them? Um, You know, of course, though, you know, now in retrospect, you know, they they was like, yeah, he was kind of nerdy. And, (laughs) and, um, uh, you know, he was fun. He thought he was going to be famous. And it turns out, I said, I bet you wish you had paid attention to him. They're like, yeah, maybe. (laughs) But I grew up in Philadelphia. I'm the oldest of six children. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. And I went to the local Catholic elementary school. Uh, My mom was a nurse. My dad was a respiratory therapist. It was... You know, kind of a nice story. They met at Children's Hospital um, in the 1960s. So chop I, or chip or something it, like yeah, that? Yeah, Children's Hospital. It, it's not the giant complex that it is today because it was 1960. Mm-hmm. And my mom was part of the northern migration or of the attempts to um, integrate hospitals. And so she actually was trained in North Carolina in, in, a, in a segregated um, um um, colored the uh, nursing school for the for colored people and um, and then there was this time in the when she was in school in the late 50s and 60s where northern hospitals were recruiting and some of her friends got a job in Washington D.C. My mom came up to Philadelphia where my dad was born and the rest is history. Got married after knowing each other 10 months mm-hmm. uh, and you know, six months and then 10 months later, Mary Washington. Here I am. When you were growing up in Philadelphia at, at that time, what was it like? I know that in Baltimore, both of them are port cities. Both of them were really big blue-collar cities. So, you know, throughout the 80s and 90s with the uh, death of, like, Bethlehem Steel and stuff mm-hmm. like that, there was a big impact on uh, on those two cities. Did you really even notice that when you were growing up, or what was growing up in that environment like for you? Well, I think that's what makes my connection to Baltimore so real. Um, Philadelphia is a city of neighborhoods, and we have that working class background. We have that that um, uh, immigrant, um, African-American, um, Jewish communities, Italian communities. Um, we have had parks, you know, the, the role of the Catholic Church, uh, the role of the African-American Church, like, it, you know, we have all of those qualities growing up, and that's what I have in the city of Baltimore as well. So it's, it's all very much uh, feels home. Baltimore has felt to be my home from the very beginning, and I see so many similarities. So I can, even though I, I wasn't born here, um, I was raised by very similar people. Um, mm. And had a lot of the, I think, a lot of the same values and a lot of the same challenges that 
when our parents um, were coming into the cities or had already lived in cities, there were jobs. You could, if you had a high school diploma, you could um, get a job where you could support your family. Um, the schools were in, 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 were good. Um, there had been investments from the 60s and 70s, um, uh, and new buildings built, and so there was just full of possibility. Um, there were also challenges. I remember being a, a, a young kid walking to school and, and um, you know, they were talking about, oh, you know, this belongs to this gang or this group and um, there would be fights. Um, but I think uh, there was, so there was that walking to school with a group of other kids uh, so that you would be safe. So. Um, I was bullied a little bit as a kid, so mm. I um, relate to that experience of feeling like an outsider, so not being safe, not because of crime, but sometimes not being safe because of um, how other people treat you, so I relate very much to that. And some of the work that I do around uh, unaccompanied homeless youth or uh, advocating for women who are formerly incarcerated or watching out for seniors, um, I feel very much that my experience growing up in Philadelphia being in a very kind of solid um, community, but also seeing over time the divestment in our communities, seeing jobs moving to other places, seeing otherwise hardworking people not being able to get the, um, the, the resources that they need. There was a period where my, um, my dad was laid off. He was working in a hospital. He got laid off because there was a consolidation. My mom also the, was working in geriatric facilities as a, as a head nurse, and there was a consolidation. And there was a, a period of about almost a year where both of them were very underemployed or unemployed, and we were on assistance for that period. Um, I recognized that because they both had um, professions or had degrees that they could use to go get another job, that period didn't last as long. But I, I, I know what it's like to eat government cheese, and I know what it's like to have to rely on the social safety net. So I feel very much that my experience growing up in Philadelphia, in my family, and then now um, representing Baltimore City and wanting to be the mayor of this city is very much built on that. Uh, understanding that there is a role for government to support working families and a role for government to to enhance the quality of life of all. Okay. You spoke about um, the role of government in families, neighborhoods, and in the cities that we live in. And then earlier, you also said that uh, traveling from Philadelphia to Baltimore, even though it's two different um, cities, you still kind of feel at home because Baltimore has a very similar Philadelphia mentality. Given everything that you've experienced growing up, um, do you feel like you also felt at home dedicating your life to civil service? You just felt like this is the right move for me? Yeah, it, it's funny. There's a, a bit of a gap there. I, I When I came to Baltimore, I, I came for graduate school, and I was planning on becoming finishing my PhD, going and teaching at a university somewhere in the country. I wasn't sure where I would do that. Uh, I ended up at Lehigh University, did that, and then there was just always this drive. So my public service was more in the area of educating, right, and inspiring people to learn more and to uh, understand our using research and information to understand our problems that affect working families, that uh, affect urban areas that are experiencing decline, but also uh, have wonderful people and wonderful assets. So how do we um, change the narrative, right? So there's this narr historical narrative of cities as being a deficit, right? Mm. And so I, I was part of trying to create a narrative or understand and recognize a narrative that we have strengths, 
Um, and, and as an academic, trying to do doing the research and uh, writing the stories and, and um, demonstrating our strength. And so that was what drove me in my academic work. And then I felt the need to to transform that to be more hands-on. Maybe for some, there's, you know, eight years old and I want to be the mayor and I'm going to take these little steps and that's going to lead me. And there are folks like that. I'm going to run for this and then I'm going to run for that mm -hmm. and for that. That's not what has ever motivated me to do anything. It's always about looking at what work can I do to improve the life that I'm living, but also the life of the people that I love. And also at this point now, the, the people that I consider my neighbors. And so each of those moves, whether it was being the president of the Graduate Student Association at, at Hopkins and doing good work there and then becoming a professor and then working with my students to be more engaged in their communities. I, I created some things while I was at Lehigh University with students to get them more in, engaged in, in actually helping out in that area. And then, you know, moving on to being president of the Community Association and then moving to public service. So I think there's all kinds of public service, and this is one of them. I know that you're pressed for time. In one sentence, explain to me why you uh, are running for mayor of Baltimore. Because I love this city, and I know that there's so much that we could be doing together that we aren't doing because we have failed leadership and that doesn't have the vision uh, that is worthy of our people. And so I have always been one who adds vision with action. And I know just like being in this studio with you, this is amazing. I don't think people know that there are these creative spaces uh, in the city of Baltimore where people are really making it happen. And to be a mayor that knows about this kind of space and to invite people to our, our artistic community, our performance community, um, that we really should be uplifting those. So I know that there wasn't one sentence, but it's, it's that there is so much good about this city and then there is so much we need to heal. You have to have a person who can see both, see both the scars of our city, but also see its beauty, heal the wounds and amplify what is our vision for a, a better tomorrow. That's why, that's why I'm doing it. That's why I'm running. Yeah, you scored very big with the, um, what is it, the Water Taxpayer Protection Act, which protects uh, homeowners' houses from going up for, is it tax auction? Tax sale, yeah. So tax you couldn't sale. pay your phone, you, you couldn't pay your water bill, and um, over at a time, the, the city would sell the right to foreclose on your house to investors. Mm -hmm. It's horrific. Yeah, and that was a, a, that was a huge problem with... Um, the city and your legislation helped put a stop to that. Uh, moving forward, if you are elected mayor, uh, what other legislation will you put in place to protect Baltimore's homeowners? Oh, for sure. First of all, uh, having proper billing. And one of the huge problems with the water system and the unfairness of the tax sale foreclosure process is that there was improper billing. So one of the things we can do to protect homeowners is to make sure that their billing, their water systems are, are correct, that our road infrastructure is doing doing what it needs to do, uh, that the trash is picked up on time, and that the cans are turned up right. I mean, there's a lot of communities that complain about, and they, I've noticed it, that, you know, the, the, the trash is being dumped, but it's not being disposed of properly. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think we have to look at real opportunities to connect people to employment and jobs. Um, and so what jobs are currently being contracted out that could maybe become living wage jobs that have health care associated with them and, 
and working with our, our partners in small businesses, um, small enterprises, even like this one. How can we invest more in um, helping people who are creating independent small businesses and get them to grow? Because those small businesses are more likely to hire local people mm -hmm. um, and to, to support that. So I would protect taxpayers, um, homeowners, uh, and renters. Uh, by making sure that the city is working well and that we're providing the services that we should and that we look for opportunities to enhance their quality of life and to allow them to build and grow economically. Uh, your platform also discusses uh, justice, equity, you know, injustice, and uh, trying to, quote, take out the uh, socioeconomic root of evil. Uh, with all of that, uh, if elected mayor, what would you do to um, curb the corruption and crime being perpetrated by the Baltimore Police Department? Oh, absolutely. Um, number one in my uh, public safety proposal, which, by the way, I'd like to tell your listeners that's on my website at marywashingtonforbaltimore.com, uh, and uh, I need your feedback on what that um, what those that proposal is. But the number one pillar out of the four pillars is the transparency and accountability of the Baltimore City Police Department. And then number two is building uh, a police department that is equitable, effective, and constitutional. That would mean fully enacting uh, the, the uh, DOJ consent decree, that we are in agreement that we will work with our police department to create constitutional policing. And if we implement those recommendations, that will move us towards that. We also have to actively, uh, which is also a part of the consent decree, engage the community in the solutions uh, for how to keep our communities safe, but also to keep the peace. And so that means reaching out to everybody who, on both sides of, of the law, and also those people who are on the bridge um, and, and can bring and, and rebuild our relationships with the police. Um, we just have to. It's very broken right now. And um, my brother's a police officer in Philadelphia. So um, I've seen over time the role he's had to play in enforcing the law and then sometimes in the situations where I know he wishes that things were better. And so I've got to believe, and I know that there are rank-and-file police officers that don't like the way things are and are looking for another way. And I think we can all come together with the Fraternal Order of Police, with people in the community, uh, with our constitutional monitors and the, the people who are working to, to point out the historic injustices and that we, could do, we, can, we can address this. But we have to name it. We have to reconcile it. We have to admit that for decades, excessive enforcement in certain communities has occurred. And the price of that is this lack of trust. The price of that is that we have arrests and convictions that aren't going to stand. We have to restore faith in our justice system. Also listed in your platform, you talk about treating drug addiction as a medical condition and not a uh, criminal offense <laughs> or something uh, involved in criminality. With that line of thinking, you're effectively saying that uh, drug users or abusers or addicts are not criminals, but uh, somebody that should be treated like a patient. If these people aren't, or rather, if you believe that these people should not be treated as criminals, if you're elected mayor, what will you do for nonviolent drug offenders who are currently serving time or those who have served time 
perhaps unjustly, and are living under state supervision. As a mayor, I can work with our Baltimore State's Attorney's Office, as well with the, with the, the police department, and work with um, others to say, what are ways we can divert uh, once they're having an interaction with the criminal justice system or with law enforcement, that we engage social workers, that we engage other ways to address the, the, the issue. Um, we recognize that there's a tremendous amount of uh, trauma in our communities. I think of it as people are self-medicating and they are do that there's there's harm that's been done um, within families and also from the social structure of living um, in in the city and living in this country uh, under this current federal <laughs> administration. The threats to our democracy, our threats to uh, literally taking food out of people's mouths uh, with the proposed revisions to our, our way of providing food to people who aren't able to, to afford it, uh, that that puts a great deal of stress um, and strain on, on communities. And so recognizing that that has a psychological effect. And so if we treat it by finding out the sources and finding those people who are best able to provide those resources rather than arresting them, um, the cost-benefit analysis even is better. It's to actually cure the, the harm rather than perpetuate a, a different kind of harm that's more costly and doesn't uh, result in making our community safer and doesn't improve the quality of life for anybody. So last question. A lot of candidates, whether you know for mayor, for Senate, president, any time anybody's running for anything, especially in the times that we live in now, uh, given our increased social awareness and social consciousness, which is always a good thing, we, you know, we always need to be moving forward. There's a lot of people who always talk about the intersections that they recognize and what they're doing to fight the good fight. Um, and I hear that a lot when it comes to Baltimore, but I very rarely see anybody doing anything about it. In the city of Baltimore, yeah. Baltimore itself is a majority black city, has been for a very long time. In talking about uh, what you're going to do to help people and help these intersections, again, Baltimore is a majority black city. If you're elected mayor, what do you plan to do specifically to help the majority of Baltimore City? So very specifically by investing in small businesses, um, really looking at our uh, minority procurement goals and not just having them on the paper, but really providing uh, uh, individuals an opportunity to not just be on a larger project, but actually to be the leads of certain projects, um, looking at micro lending specifically. Uh, often my understanding is access to capital uh, is a problem, and so uh, then that keeps people from being able to be bonded at the level that would allow them to qualify for the larger, uh, larger contracts. So a city like Baltimore, in partnership with the state and other entities, can really look at opportunities. How can we guarantee um, through subsidizing some programs, guaranteeing uh, their ability to get loans, guaranteeing their ability to get access to, to capital, um, and then also addressing that white L, black butterfly uh, disparity in the allocations of TIFs um, and looking at ways we can use our tax uh, increment financing to uh, facilitate or improve uh, investments in areas that are not traditionally being seen as um, good investments. Um, those are some very specific things I believe that a mayor can do. A mayor can also actively engage organizations uh, that are the representatives of African-American uh, women-owned businesses and invite them to the table and have workshops and have um, 
looking at our, our, our procurement process and setting certain goals in every single activity that we do, every single economic activity that we do, we have to engage in making sure that we are equitably distributing access to, to capital, uh, to loans, to insurance, uh, into these large city contracts. Can you clarify something for me? What is the, you said white L, black butterfly, what's that? Oh, I'm into, you're not, in, okay, so so there there is, um, if you look at uh, the traditional investments in the city, there's a, there's kind of this L shape uh, where a lot of projects are happening. And then on the east and the west side, um, which is traditionally African-American areas, and it's not, um, there's the lack of investment. Mm -hmm. It also tracks on some of the original redlining where individuals were not able to get loans. Uh, the banks have a code uh, that goes back to the late 30s about where to uh, invest and where it was safe to give a home loan and where it was safe to uh, to insure a business and where it wasn't safe. Um, I'll, I'll I'll send that to you. It's very it's very interesting. I, you've heard of the book, um, um, not in my neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so white owl, black butterfly bills on that. Okay. So then, would you like look at uh, would you look at Baltimore City and like if you're looking at a map of Baltimore City, like the white L would like sort of going down tr like Charles Street on either side. It comes okay. down. It might even want to go down to the Inner Harbor and then kind of cut like over to like the Harbor East. East. Yeah, yeah. And then okay. you see in the two areas now Hopkins on the right side is starting to build up on that mm -hmm. that other side, but then there's still on the left side, you know, a lack of of, of investment there, and so it looks. Almost, they call it the white L and the black, black butterfly. butterfly. Gotcha. Okay, I'll definitely have to check that out. I'll look forward to yeah. that. Senator Mary Washington, uh, before we do wrap up, is there anything you want to talk about that we haven't already gone over? No, just that um, I, I love the city. Uh, please join me if you if you have a vision for a better city. If you if you don't like the way things are going, if you want, if you believe that we can have a vibrant, creative, safe, loving community of people across races and of who they love and age uh, and region, then join my campaign because that's what we're building in our campaign because that's the city that we that we have and and um, I'm I'm looking forward to the next four years but uh, the election is April 28th um, make sure you're registered to vote and come volunteer and, and and be a part of the change that makes our city better I am definitely registered to vote I had to change my party I was a, a libertarian and then my fiance forced me to change so she said I wasn't a disenfranchised voter all right well well I'm hopefully I get an opportunity to have your vote and restore your confidence uh, <laughs> in traditional politics but it's always good to have you know the full range of of points of view that's what makes democracies work sure absolutely Senator Mary Washington thank you so much for your time today absolutely thank you mm -hmm.